Welcome to Positive Talk Radio. Our goal is simple, to explore evolving ideas one conversation at a time. So stay with us as right now we present. Oh, we have a wonderful guest today that we're going to share with you. He is somebody I've been wanting to talk to for a little while now because he is a uh, Western author in the vein of Louis L'Amour. And if you don't know who that is, you can pretty much, and I think the same thing applies to David, you can probably go to any bookstore in the country and you will find some of his work there uh, in paperback or hardback. And uh, um well, certainly in any airport in the country, if you want to, if you want to, if you're going to fly from where David is, which is in Texas to Seattle, that's about a four hour flight. And then you can pick up one of his books and you can enjoy reading all the way from there to here and have a good time. David, how are you today? Doing great. Good to be here, Kevin, with you. Yeah, it's good to be. It's good to have you here because, you know, I I fell in love with Louis L'Amour. Uh, way back in the day, because uh, he was prolific in his writing, just like you are. And it was a lot of um, uh, old Western stuff. And and some of them, John Wayne acted in movies and all that sort of thing. And it was it was great fun to to pay attention to it. And you are in that vein. And uh, um, I want to welcome to the show. It's great to have you here. Good to be here. And uh, let's let's talk about you. How did you get into the idea of writing, especially writing historical um, fiction and about the old West? Well, I I was sitting on the front porch with my family, listening to my grandparents and my dad and uncles talk about uh, the early days of Austin and when it was founded. And uh, I kept hearing the story and especially the story of little boy that would have been my cousin, uh, about five times removed, uh, getting captured right right there on uh, on what we call Lamar Street in downtown Austin now. At that time, Shoal Creek ran through there, and he was captured by the Indians, and his father was uh, was murdered during the, uh, during the rampage. And that little boy, nine years old, made it all the way the Santa Fe new the Santa Fe area, not necessarily Santa the village of Santa Fe, uh, but was uh, then uh, traded to the Comancheros, and they went to auction him off uh, at the Pueblo, which I, I found out later. My parents were not aware of that that thing, but uh, he was ransomed for sixty sixty dollars in silver, and uh, I thought. That little boy, nine years old, and at the time I heard the story, I was about 10, I thought, man, to walk all the way, that has to be one hell of a story and it needs to be told. And it just, uh, something I worked on from the time I was a young boy, thinking that this story needed to be told. And that's when I, I actually, I'll tell you, Kevin, I tried to find someone, uh, a ghostwriter to write the story. Uh, I didn't. I didn't uh, go through journalism or anything like that. I did, I'd done a newsletter or two, and think written a few articles, op-eds, and what have you. Uh, but I didn't know the first thing about it, and that was quite some time ago. And uh, I belonged to the Writers Guild, uh, uh, Austin Writers League, the uh, Texas Writers League. Now they've changed the name several times since I've been a member. 
but uh, everyone I talked to said I needed to write the book myself because I had the characters in my mind. I could describe Fayette. I could describe his father. I could describe his great-great-grandfather, who happened to be the same, uh, be also my great-great-grandfather. And I had that all down from my research of 20 or 30 years. And I was the only one that could write it. They told me correct. And that's what I did. And uh, now I'm into my, my, my fifth book has just been finished. It should be on the market by due, due February the 1st to be launched. And uh, I just got a message here that my battery's running low. I hope I didn't freeze up on you. Nope, not yet. Okay. I hope not. Maybe this plug over here is not working. I apologize for that. But that's how I got started in it and um, been doing it now for a little over 20 years. Well, it's a, and the, the saga is called the Westward Saga, uh, correct? Well, plural, uh, Westward Sagas. And that's a, I have that trademarked. I noticed some people are kind of infringing on that, but I guess I'll have to let the attorneys take care of that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a red, uh, the Westward Sagas is a registered trademark of mine. Well, it's really cool. By the way, would I be tr betraying a, a book if if I asked you um, what happened to the nine-year-old boy? Uh-oh. Well, by the way, we're talking with uh, David Bowles. He is the author of the Westward Sagas. He, I think, had a problem with his... Um, with his battery. So we're just going to kind of, kind of hang out here for a couple of moments. And while I got a moment, I'd like to tell you a few things if I could, one of which is that uh, positivetalkradio.net is where we house all of our videos. We're also on YouTube, positive talk radio. And uh, if you go to positivetalkradio.net, though, we've got uh, a store where you can pick up some, swag and it's i guess that's the new way of calling it and that sort of thing and uh and you can uh, enjoy uh, all of the um things and he's gone now so we're hoping hoping that he's going to be able to migrate his way back we'll see in just a moment but uh um i do want to tell you that uh, uh we've we've got uh, like 360 shows on positivetalkradio.net and uh, we're also on YouTube in three different channels and Facebook. And um, if you are interested in working with us, we also have a media production company called kmmedia.pro. And you can go there and there's a little store and you can, if you want us to help you to, to design a logo, if you want us to help you um, create audio and video and and uh, we even have done a trailer for a book. Um, and, and we've got a great team of people that put together some great stuff for you. So if you're interested in doing that, we can put up that all together for you. Um, and that's kmmedia.pro. You can go there and find out all the information you need. And, uh, <clears throat> and by the way, we are talking with, well, we were talking with David Bowles. And I'm hoping that he is going to be coming back as soon as he replaces his battery 
That's me hope anyway. So we're just going to hang out here for a couple of moments and see. Like I said, we do these shows live. And so this kind of thing kind of happens from time to time. And uh, I hope that uh, you will stay with us and enjoy what we are doing here um, on Positive Talk Radio. And uh, it's like I said, <laughs> his, if, you, if you're tuning in now and, and you'd like to hit a comment and just to, I can talk to you <laughs> in, instead of, uh, instead of uh, uh, David until he comes back. And hopefully he will be back here in just a couple of moments or two. I seem to be having some problems with my lighting as well. So I hope hope it's not me that uh, has got a problem, but uh, um, it's great fun, and uh, um, I'm enjoying it. By the way, um, if you, that is really weird. Why am I losing power? I don't know. It's the weirdest thing. Um, but, um, um, again, Positive Talk Radio has been around now for a couple years. I started way back in 2003 with a radio show on KKNW 1158. And there he comes back. We've got him. We got him right. We got him back. There you are. Apologize. That's okay. That's okay. That Those things happen. Yeah, it's uh, a lighting bar, and we're going to have to do without it, Kevin. That's perfectly okay. You look fabulous. Thank you. You look like a Western icon. Oh, okay. I've been called a lot of things, but icon wasn't one of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, but you you should be called an icon because you are a prolific writer. Um, I was looking at all of your um, events that you've been to, and it's like it scrolls and keeps on going and keeps on going and going. Yes, and and uh, we, I, it's amazing. I at one time we had a kind of a head count on how many places we'd been, and and it's where I put all the miles home with with Becca, my dog. I take her with me everywhere I go, and they seem to like her. I thought about having her come down with me today, but I I thought she'd not take over the show, and I didn't want to let her over <laughs> overdo me. She does that sometimes. <laughs> Well, now, let's talk a little bit about your travels. You got into a uh, motorhome, and uh, you went all over the country. Where'd you go? Well, let me tell you how the story happened. I, I, I wanted to go. I always wanted to go to Alaska, wanted to go to Canada. And of course, I'd been a RVing for quite a few years before that. But in 2014, I decided I'd sell my home uh, on Goat Creek, and then I would... Uh, uh, sell my furniture, my Western art, everything I had, and pack up and buy a, a, what they call Class A motor coach, a 42-footer, and we headed off traveling. And uh, we made it to Alaska, Canada, all around, been to the East Coast and the West Coast, and um, done a lot of traveling. Uh, as you can see, <laughs> some of the places that, that I've been there, and uh, 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 I've spent a lot of time up in Jonesboro, Tennessee, because that's the storytelling capital of the world. They have the national storytelling uh, competition there the first weekend in October of every year. So I made it there a couple of, three, about three years. So yes, I've been around. <laughs> <laughs> and I loved it. Quite frankly, I, I, I'm, I'm, I, I sold that Class A just recently in the last uh, few months and bought me a what's called a Class B, which is a scaled down uh, version of that. 
And we still travel. We just don't stay out as long. But we, I was living full time and that RV was my house. And Becca was uh, five years old before she'd ever been in a, in a, <laughs> in a home that didn't have wheels. <laughs> I imagine that the dog had a, had a wonderful time with you. Yeah, we had a great time. And uh, what motivated you to do that? Was it just your uh, you had itchy feet? As a as a as a young boy, I, I had an aunt and uncle that bought one of those airstream bullet looking type things, and I they would come and stay uh, with us and 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 just camp in our backyard uh, when I was a kid, and I, I thought that was a way to live, <laughs> and I had the. I had wanted to do that for a long time, and and the opportunity came up that I could do it. I'm single. I got uh, it's just me and the dog, and and we could go anywhere we wanted to go, and we we were able to sell books and tell stories as we went. That sure is a great way to to live your life, and you get to do exactly what you want to do, and nobody's telling you where to go or. Or don't, you don't have a honeydew list, and you can create your own list and do what you want. That's exactly right. I love it. We're we're not doing it full time, but uh, we're going to do some traveling now, especially when the new book comes out to share for Star County. Uh, we're going to introduce that right after uh, the holidays, or probably be for pre-sale here in the next few weeks. And uh, uh, I'll start tra- traveling, uh, promoting that book, mostly around yeah. Texas, though. And what that book? What's that book? About? That book is about the sure that that book is about the Texas Rangers. True story about the Texas Ranger Will Smith, who went after Fayette to find him and and bring him back to Texas. And he didn't find him, but uh, he laid the groundwork to where he was found. He notified the people up there to be looking for him, and they did. They did find him, but uh, Will ended up, uh, he fought in the Mexican War and uh, was a Texas Ranger, and he ended up being appointed uh, the first sheriff of Star County, and Star County didn't exist till about 1850, and it makes a great story, and he's involved in a lot of things. Now, where is Star County? Star County is down... If you if you watch TV, <laughs> you you'll see it pretty regular. It's that county seat is Rio Grande City, and it's right on the Mexican border, right across uh, from uh, Camargo, and 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 uh, right now, uh, fake, uh, Falcon Lake is uh, just just west of there. So it's on in the Rio Grande Valley. And I say that because there was a lot of illegals coming across there, so it gets a lot of uh, uh, got a lot of press, a lot of attention. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's a great place for for the what they call getaways. A lot of getaways, hundreds of thousands of getaways, go through there all the time. And so it's not just a real safe place to be right now, but we're going to go anyhow. <laughs> Well, you got to go have some fun. That's right. That's right. Now, I wanted to ask you, because you're a historian and you have um, worked with with writing all the way back, starting at like uh, 1836 or 37, I believe, right? 
Well, actually, my story, uh, my first book, Springhouse, starts starts in uh, seventeen about seventeen sixty, and of course, I have a little backstory back to even seventeen fifty, and that was you know considerably before the American Revolution. The family had been in America ninety nine years before the American Revolution. So uh, they were pretty well established in, in, in North Carolina, which was the West. And people say, well, you know, they read my first book and they say, what's this about the West? It's an, it, it takes place in North Carolina. Well, North Carolina was the West back in 1776. Well, and, uh, people got to remember that uh, the uh, Louisiana Purchase didn't happen yet. That's right. And so it was the 13 colonies, and and west of the 13 colonies was the west. That's right, and that was Tennessee. And that's where, after the Battle of Guilford Courthouse took place on their farm, they, they, they couldn't live there where all those <coughs> bodies were buried on their farm, and they, they moved over to Jonesboro, Tennessee. And a little town was founded around them, which became the oldest town in, in Tennessee, and that's Jonesboro, uh, North Carolina, and a great place to visit. That's the prettiest little town. They, it's just like it was back when it was when it was established, I believe in 1797 was when it was established. And it was part of the uh, part of the uh, state of Franklin, which is a a little they had their own little government there for a while. And that's uh, Jonesboro is just real close to Greenville or Limestone, uh, uh, Tennessee, where Davy Crockett was born. We talked about that the other day. So we we spent uh, three summers up there in the Davy Crockett birthplace uh, national park in our RV. When I as I wrote that second book, which was Adam's Daughters, which about was about the family and the daughters and, and my great 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 grandmother that came to Austin. So it, it just, it's the same story going, going on and, and on and, uh, uh, until they got to Texas. Now that's uh, the, the Tennessee was right around the place where Daniel Boone was wandering around at one point, wasn't he? Well, Kentucky more or less, uh, but you know, it, it, you know, the States weren't even established then. So, you know, they, they, they were close. But uh, the woods of Kentucky mostly was uh, was Daniel Boone, but uh, old Davy Crockett. He was he was born there in Limestone, Tennessee. He was not born on a mountaintop. He was born on a creek bank, <laughs> Limestone. <laughs> but it makes a good song. It wouldn't sound too good. He is born on <laughs> born on the Lime Creek. Yeah, and I remember growing up and Davy Crockett. And when I was a kid. Uh, you know this coonskin cap that, yeah. that he's famous for was a was a big deal. If you ever got one of those, you were you were like a hot kid in the neighborhood. Yes, and I had one. Now, let uh, me tell you yes. about that. Uh, David Crockett's birthday is August the seventeenth, and uh, every year we have a big shindig down at the at the Crockett Hotel here in San Antonio, which is only about fifteen minutes from where I'm sitting right now. And uh, it's a pretty good story. Uh, we we lost one of our uh, one of our, our good uh, who could really sing that song, Davy Davy Crockett, and and uh, I. Sing on the wild frontier. Yeah, 
you got a minute for just a little short story? Of course. Well, when I got my, <laughs> when I got my uh, coonskin hat and all, and uh, my dad took me to the Alamo for the first time, I guess I'd probably about 10, 11 years old. And uh, I got pretty hooked up on it. I even had an old long, uh, of course, it was a Tory rifle, kind of like Davy Crockett had. Oh, I, I had the... I had the Mexicans. I had everything. I I, I looked, tried to look just like old Davy Crockett. And of course, my name is David. And by the way, David didn't like being called David. He he liked his name was David. He would let you know that. But uh, I I got some. I had a chance to go down and go to the little drugstore not too far uh, from my house. And when I get a chance to go in there, and I take a roll of nickels, and I'd start. <laughs> I'd start playing that jukebox song, Davy, Davy Crockett. And, <laughs> and uh, I went in there, I put, a, I put it on play for about, you know, dollars worth of nickels. And that's 20 plays. And waitress came over and I was, I was sipping on a, on a shake like they used to make in this old drugstore, you know, with a, with a, a fount, soda fountain. Yep. And she says, how many, how many did you how many did you put in there? And she says, I said, I, I put in all the nickels I had. And she, she says, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> she, 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 she just shook her head and walked off. <laughs> and they were about to have a fifth. They, you, after you've heard it about 20 times, it's kind of like my favorite old song for about two rounds is, is grandma got ran over by a reindeer. And it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of funny to hear it once or twice, but <laughs> about the tenth time, yeah. But the, those waitresses says, "Oh man, here he's coming. Let's <laughs> go unplug the jukebox." <laughs> you know, David, there are. I really like to talk to people that have been on the planet for a while, because your life experience is so different than when when we're talking about, as an example, the. The shakes, the way that they used to make them, they actually used, dare I say it, real ice cream back right. then, and they and they would put it into the mixer, and uh, it, and the person that would do that would be called a soda jerk. That's right. And that that would those days are long gone. But I I kind of you know that was a little bit before my time, but I kind of miss those those yeah. days. They seem to be, you know, a lot of uh, um, yeah. I mean. And Every drugstore had a soda fountain. Yeah, and you know that's how Dr Pepper and Coca Cola came about. They were they were medicine products. You know, Dr Pepper happened uh, was uh, in I guess it was uh, I might get my towns mixed up. I believe it was Waco, Texas, where it where it got its start, and uh, it, it 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 was um, that's why it was named Dr Pepper. And it, they, they, they would make it at the fountain. The drugstore would, you know, tell, they knew what the recipe was. Somebody was ailing, they had, they had drink a Dr. Pepper. And Coca-Cola, of course, we know where Coca-Cola got its name. <laughs> From the Coca plant. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so it was, it was considered, it was considered uh, med med medicinal purposes. Well, you know, the interesting thing about that is for those of you that think in terms of going to the convenience store and buying a bottle of Coke or a can of Coke, in those days, there was no such thing. What they did is it came in a, a liquid 
and they would mix a uh, certain amount of the Coke in with soda water, and that became the mixture that they would use. Uh, and But you couldn't buy it in a bottle um, it, or, or a can. None of that existed at the time. There was no distribution at that time. And it came about, I guess, about that about time I was nine or ten years old, Coke came out in a little short bottle, the nickel, and that was a price it was everywhere. It didn't matter where you went, it was a nickel. Had it pop, you know, pop that cap on it, and, and uh, they were really good. They fizzled in, and they were made made with real. They were made with real uh, sugar cane sugar. That and today those products are made with beet sugar, which is not the same. So it's totally different product now. Yes, it is. By the way, do you remember when you were a kid and uh, you'd go to the gas station? Do you remember what the price of gas was? Twenty nine cents. <laughs> you're you're absolutely right. And okay, I let, uh, let me tell you something else. Not only was it twenty nine cents. But they gave you green stamps. And if you bought once you bought a certain amount of gallons, they'd give you a set of glasses or some kind of little thing. They did your windshield checked your all and all four tires. I remember, I remember those days. We went to a place called Marty's um, on Lake City Way in Seattle. And uh, and you'd go there and if you filled up, you got a quart of ice cream. A quart of ice cream. And, and that was the only ice cream that I had growing up for the longest time because we were not very wealthy. And then so if, if we would get that ice cream and that's the ice cream that we had. And that it fill a car up and get you. Yeah. And all of them had different things to entice you to come in. And there, there were lots of there was lots of competition. There was. And they were all privately owned and uh, owner operated for the most part. Well, we had one close by the house that it, I, I, I saw it on, it was one, when I was a young lad, it was called Humble. And then it became Esso. And you know what happened to Esso, don't you? No, sir. The Humble Oil Company decided that they wanted to go national. And uh, they, they just said, well, we'll change our name to Humble. Because, uh, you know, some, we'll get something exciting. Now, this was back. You know, many years ago, a lot of your listeners won't know about that change, but they changed the name to ESSO and E-S-S-O. And I couldn't ever figure out it suddenly, suddenly it came back and they changed it to, uh, to gosh, what is it now? It's, what is humble now? The, God, I can't even think what it is, but uh, ESSO in Japanese meant stalled car. Because it didn't go, so that didn't go too good having their gasoline under the brand name of Esso. And I believe now it's um, not Exxon. Exxon. I'm sorry. Yeah, they changed it from Esso to Exxon. And yep. uh, yeah, so <laughs> a lot of things changed. Well, and you remember back in the early '60s, and and television had was black and white. I grew up with black and white TV only, and and uh, um, there were like four or five channels, depending upon where you lived. And my, then there were the rabbit ears. If you use the term rabbit ears now, they have no earthly idea what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. 
And you'd have to get up, turn them, put a little tin foil on them. If you if you didn't have a real good reception, you'd cut little strips of tin foil and tie them around the top, <laughs> around the top. And of course, you know uh, where I lived in Austin, Texas, we and we didn't have but one channel. It was KTBC. Uh, that for, and uh, a fellow by the name of Lyndon Johnson owned that station, and. Uh, it was pretty difficult for anybody else to get in for any other station. I'm, I'm thinking, can't remember what network they were with, but uh, it was either CBS or NBC. And uh, it took many years before uh, the other station came in. But we only had one station, so it a change in the channel wasn't that big deal. It's <laughs> yeah. on channel seven. That's all we had. Well, you certainly didn't need to have uh, a remote control. No, you didn't need to have a remote control, and it, it was it, it got pretty snowy sometimes, you know. And uh, one of my favorite shows after school was Howdy Doody, uh-huh. and I'd get home to watch Howdy Doody and buy me a one of them nickel cokes and a and a, and a, and a moon pie and, and watch Howdy <laughs> and watch Howdy Doody after <laughs> school. It is it's amazing the differences. In, uh, now, did you grow, you grew up in the fifties? Is that right? Yeah. Well, I was born in forty three, and so you know, by, uh, in fifty three, I you know I was about ten. You know, and coming, uh, I could walk to school. School wasn't too far away. It'd be too far away today for today's people, but I kind of enjoyed the walk. And you know, back in those days, we didn't have to worry about anything, and we didn't have any crossing guards take us across the street. We could kind of figure it out. If a car was coming, you you didn't cross the street. <laughs> yeah. Pretty easy to figure out when you when there aren't that many cars at that time either. Yeah, exactly right. Yes, that's exactly right. And uh, so what was your favorite um, music growing up? And who was your favorite artist? Well, you know, I liked both kinds. I liked country and western. And uh, I liked Roy Rogers and Gene Autry. Uh, I could sing that old song, Whiskey River, and I could sing the Red River uh, songs. And, and uh, I, I, I had an old guitar I tried to play. I, no one ever taught me how to play it. I just strummed it. And uh, I thought I was a real cowboy back those days. And, uh, but I... I I did like that music, and now growing up and getting older, I I grew up there in Austin, and Willie Nelson was uh, playing in the little local places, and and I had a friend named Westy Weir who he ran around with uh, 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 Waylon Jennings and some of those guys, and and uh, I, I kind of got to like the new the new Western swing as they called it, and then got into uh, to old Willie. Uh, oh, Willie still, you know, he's exactly 10 years older than I am. And he's still, my goal is just, just keep on strumming with him, uh, but without all the, uh, uh, the hemp. The <laughs> <laughs> well, goodness knows, hemp, uh, you know, marijuana is going to be legal in this country. and not, Well, you know. it, it's not here in Texas yet, so I don't know. Uh, 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 but but it's it, they've made it where it's not a, a criminal offense anymore to use it. But uh, 
but uh, it, it's pretty popular over, especially in Austin. Now, I live in San Antonio. It's a little bit different down here. Austin's a, a very metropolitan city, and uh, it's nothing like I left in 1968. It's it's totally it's totally a, a new world over there. They don't even talk my language. <laughs> <laughs> now, when in the late fifties, when uh, Elvis Presley came along, were you a fan of him? Yeah, my, let me tell you, my mother was, and my mother met him in Lubbock, Texas, and uh, she was a single woman then. And uh, my mother, my dad and mother divorced, uh, and and uh, she was a single woman up there dating a guy, and they went to the Cotton Club in Lubbock, Texas, and she actually met. Uh, Elvis Presley, and he was flirting with her. My mother was a good-looking lady, and <laughs> he was flirting with her. And my stepfather, uh, he got really upset, and there was almost a brawl over. And uh, in there, uh, they didn't like that uh, guy swinging his hips and coming up to Lubbock in the first place. <laughs> it was a little bit far out for them to <laughs> see that guy gyrate on the stage, you know. <laughs> Well, in, in the history, as history would tell us now, he, uh, Elvis, loved the ladies. He really oh, did. He did, and the ladies loved him, too. But I'll tell you what, I listen to some of his music now. That guy had a voice, and no, nobody could, nobody could, you know, they have all these impersonators, but there's nobody that could sing those songs like Elvis could. He, no, he was great. It's, and, it's, it's amazing. And then, of course, the 60s came along. When the 60s came along, what did you think of the Beatles when they showed up? Well, first time I saw them on TV, I thought they were a circus act, the way they were bouncing around. I didn't know they played music. I just, you know, that TV was TV was so bad, I told you about that. But yeah, I just thought it was a bunch of clowns jumping up and down and and then suddenly I realized it was a band. They had musical instruments. I think they were great. <laughs> but uh, I, uh, it was, uh, you know, they really brought a new type of entertainment to, to the United States when they came over. And I, uh, uh, I can't think of the guys. Ed Sullivan had them on his show, first show. And I saw that. And it, it was pretty blurry, but like I said, they were bouncing around and I'd never, you know, I was used to seeing entertainers step up to the mic and, and they stayed there and they <laughs> played their musical instrument and they sang their song, you know, and you start seeing people bouncing around like that. You, you think they're their own something and they may have been. <laughs> highly likely, highly likely. But they had great music and they did well. You know, one of the uh, um, bands that they were very taken with was from your neck of the woods, and that would be Holly. Um, um, oh, what's his, what's his name? Um, oh, Holly. Holly. That's what happens when you get old. It, it, he got killed in, a, in an airplane crash. Buddy Holly. Holly, 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 Holly. Holly. Yes. And I'll tell you what, uh, he, he his first... Interesting. I have family, you know, both sides of my family coming here, you know, in the early 1830s. Uh, I'm not talking about my mother's side of the family and my father's side. But I have family all over Texas. And in Lubbock, I had an aunt there uh, that owned the skating rink in Lubbock. 
at, at the one time, and when I was skating there, roller skating we're talking about, uh, when I was living there, uh, uh, she was, was right the only rink in town. And uh, the first paid gig that Buddy Holly ever did, he did it in her roller rink, and it was called a sock hop. And it was the first sock hop I'd ever heard of. And after the kids got through skating, I think it was on a Friday or Saturday night, I was just a youngster, maybe I'd be early teens, I guess. And Buddy Holly and his little band, they were high school kids. Yeah. And they came in and they set up in the corner of the skating rink and the kids put on their, the deal was because those floors in those days were uh, uh, really, they were expensive. They were made out of maple. A lot of not not a lot of maple trees in Texas, and they made sure ever all the kids wore socks. And I don't know if the word sock hop where it started, but that's the first time I ever heard it. And I guess that would have been in around 57, maybe 58, something like that. I think he died in the 60s. He died in a plane crash in the 60s. But he started there in Lubbock, and there's a big statue uh, there in Lubbock and in a museum and he is buried in Lubbock. You know, what you said about the sock hop, it makes perfect sense that it was, that's what was there. And if, and they would take their, their shoes off to keep the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, um, the floor from getting um, all scratched up and stuff. Um, so a sock hop would be a, that I've never heard anybody uh, put that in the sock hop to an actual reason for the sock hop. That's really cool. That's, I yeah. bet you that's absolutely true. Yeah. And it, it you know, it, it, I, I think she paid him $25, him and the whole band. Yeah. <laughs> Buddy Holly and the crickets. Yeah, that's right. Well, I, at that time they weren't the crickets. It was just a little high school band. He was yeah. not. He had not really gotten, you know, professional. Well, they probably had a, a small drum kit and they had yeah. a bass fiddle, uh, which is a stand-up bass fiddle and a guitar. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, you know, it, what's fun to talk to someone like you is you get, you're full of so much history that goes back for a long time that, gosh, when you were growing up, there, there weren't really any airports even. Uh, it probably wasn't even an airport in Dallas. Oh yeah, uh, it was all. It was always an airport, pretty well. I mean, you know, in my lifetime. But you didn't, you know. Uh, my my first uh, things were different back in the in the day, as they say. Uh, when I went off to uh, boot camp in the Navy, I guess that would have been sixty uh, one, de- uh, December of sixty one. Uh, my first flight. You know, uh, flew out actually kind of crazy the way things were. Austin and San Antonio are only 75 miles apart, but we flew from Austin to San Antonio and landed. I thought we were there, <laughs> <laughs> but but we weren't. Some other people got on the plane. It was, it, you know, it was a, a regular flight, and I, I it was Braniff then. Braniff was a big, the, the big plane then, but they had props, man. They didn't have. Yep, <laughs> they, yeah, a little different, a little different flying and a little bit slower. But uh, yeah, uh, the major cities did have uh, airports. Uh, Dallas had Love Field and, and uh, Houston had uh, Hobby and um, 
Austin had, I, don't, I guess it was just a municipal airport, which today is right downtown. It's long gone. They've moved out. Yeah, flying by plane now. That's why I have an RV because <laughs> I don't fly anymore. And not because I'm afraid of flying, don't have a thing. I just flew many, many miles back in the day when when you were treated, you know, that was a place that people wanted to travel first class, you could do it. Today, airline travel is peasant travel. I really mean that. They treat you like peasants, you know, getting on your luggage and that sort of thing. That's why that RVs are good. And I, I have a rule, if I can't get the drive there in my RV, I don't need to go there. Well, now you were driving a 42 foot RV. Did you have any trouble with, uh, now do you need a special license to do that? No, sir. Not in Texas. You don't. That might be some state. But I quite frankly think that everybody should because you got some people out there driving 42 foot vehicles with, uh, and get this, I had to pull my Jeep behind there so that when I got to where I was going, I, I could, you know, go to town or wherever I needed to go. Uh, you just can't take a 42 foot. And then you're pulling the Jeep behind there. You're looking at 60 foot. And I, yep. I, I stopped to see a friend of mine that owns a bookstore in Cac, named Cac, the Cactus Bookstore in San Angelo, Texas. And a, a guy that felt in Cochran I've known for many years. Matter of fact, he, he, he's the largest retailer of Elmer Kelton's books, I guess, in the world. Elmer Kelton lived there in, in uh, San Angelo where he's at. I told him I'd come by and have lunch with him, and I, but I said, you're going to have to find me a place to park my RV. He said, oh, no, there's no problem. I got three parking places out there in front of my store. I said, Felton, I need 10 parking places with nobody nobody in, the, in those spaces. And my golly, when I pulled up there, he, he had managed to get some cones and stuff and put out there. He had me enough to park right in front of his, right in front of his uh, uh, thing. We're, I guess you notice we're having some power short here, here over here in San Antonio, where I'm at right now. But I'll tell you what, if I wave my arm. No, I can see it fine. I can see it. If I'm inside the... I'm inside the library here. <laughs> They're conserving energy, you see. And if there's no movement in this room after a certain <laughs> I have to read. If you see me do this, you know, I'm trying to get the lights off. <laughs> but by the way, ladies and gentlemen, we're talking to David A. Bowles, and he is the author of the Westward Sagas among other books, and he has, uh, and I'm really hopeful that uh, one of them is going to get, or we talked about it last time, I would love to see them all turn into a mini-series of, of because it really is a uh, expose of the Old West and what it was like. I wanted to ask you, I've traveled in the South, and um, it's hot. Sometimes it's really hot. Sometimes it's muggy and it's hot. How did they survive it way back when without air conditioning? They didn't know anything else. Uh, my parents didn't have air conditioning until about, I'm trying to think, about 1965, something like that. And I don't think they would have ever gotten air conditioning, except my dad had had a heart attack, and they, 
I knew that if they took him out of the hospital and took him home, you know, uh, it'd be too hot for him. So we got window units in his home back back then. That was easy way to fix it. Stick one in the window and, and especially the bedroom where he has been. But air conditioning is kind of, I don't think that Austin would be 1.4 million people. And I think San Antonio is about the same population now. I don't think we'd have near as many people coming to Texas. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, if I'm a good example. You asked about why I started RV, and I, I really didn't tell you the real reason. About, 19, about 1997, uh, I, had, I started leaving Texas in the summertime. And first time I left for two weeks, and next thing you know, I had my own business. <clears throat> next thing you know, I was going for a month, and then I finally just said, to heck with it. And I just, I started to deal a lot. I left Texas when the last blue bonnet lost its bloom. And that's usually, that's usually May, just about Memorial Day time. And I didn't come back to Labor Day. And I'm, I've got it now, and next year when I leave, I'm not coming back till Thanksgiving because I don't <laughs> like the hot heat. <laughs> I don't like the heat at all. And so a lot of people like me uh, that can, uh, they get out of here in the summer. Just plan your travel to get, get away. And I spent like, uh, I spent uh, it, it, 2017, Beck and I stayed <laughs> the whole, we stayed till uh, about mid-September in, in Alaska. We we stayed about two long two weeks too long there. We we got in a rainy season, but but that's that's you know back in the day though, if you stop and think, homes did it, it. If you really want to know the answer, homes back in the day that I'm writing about 1836 1840, they didn't have windows. I mean you know yeah I mean they had windows, they had portals or whatever you want to call them. And these homes would be mostly made out of adobe, Kevin. And, and that adobe uh, didn't let the heat in. It kept it cool inside. And they had the windows. But a, 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 an editor I had, I wrote a story about a Samuel Maverick, the, the last book, getting up and, and shutting, shutting his window. Or, or actually, I, I didn't use the word window in the book. I wrote, I, I, I used it, but I can't, uh, I can't even think of what they call it, the wooden shutters, wooden shutters. He closed the wooden shutters, and she changed that. They pulled the window down and lowered the shade. I said, lady, <laughs> they didn't have glass windows, and they sure didn't have shades. But she was about 30. She had no idea of that. But back in the day, things were made a little bit different, and they were cooler, and the thatch roofs they made, the jackals, they call them. Um, you probably saw some of them if you got down on the border. They still have those jackals where they'll make them with uh, dirt and sod and, and stuff. You'll actually see a cactus sometimes growing out of a roof, and that's how they lived. That's how they lived here. It was totally different. Well, and, and they didn't have big forests like in the Northwest. We have big forests where you can, uh, you know, chop down trees and and everything's made of timber. But you didn't have that there, um, and so you had to do use adobe and 
and the bricks, but it also was good for protection from people that were, you know, like, like Indians and that sort of thing as well, right? Exactly. Uh, that everything had to be fortified, you know, especially in Austin. And uh, it's pretty hard for people to, you know, understand that. But you're talking about this heat again. If I might add something, I'm not an uh, expert on these things, but it stands to reason to me, uh, you know, things were, like we say, if I could go back, the skyline from where I lived, I used to, we could set out on the front yard and look at the state capitol. And there were, it was, it was the only big building <clears throat> that you would see downtown Austin. They had some buildings that were maybe uh, six stories or something like that, but nothing like the Capitol. Capitol was a tall thing. If you look at Austin now, it's nothing but glass and metal and cement. That whole downtown area, 640 acres, the original uh, land that was set aside for the city of Austin. And that's a one square mile by one square mile is, is a, a section. I, I said an acre, I think, but I meant a section. And uh, all that glass, can you imagine? And then hitting that glass and the sun bouncing off, it's just like being in the water. You know, when you're on a boat in the water, it seems so hot and you're sitting, you know, you're laying there and you can't figure out why it's so hot. Well, that, that you're getting that reflection and it's got to have a big effect on on the temperature these days, not to get not to get any politics about it, but, but these big towns, when they get that much glass concrete, they're going to produce a heat. Yes, they will. And they'll bounce off the, uh, the glass and radiate um, elsewhere throughout. You've been around a long time in Texas. 79 and, years. Yes, and well, and and uh, the interesting thing is, is that you were there when it was a lot smaller. Do you think we've lost something with the, the size of the towns that we have, and and having uh, 1.2 million people in a place? And have we have we lost something uh, through all that? Do you think? Well, I have, and probably you've lost something that. The people that are living there now think it's just great, and <laughs> that's why they're there. They've got, I'm going to tell you, uh, <laughs> I, I drove through there going to see my daughter uh, uh, last weekend, and as I drove through around Austin, I try and avoid going through Austin if I can uh, because the traffic is so bad and there was a loop around there. Uh, it was 3 o'clock in the morning. I, dr I drive different times that's a wonderful thing about an rv you can work it that way and uh, I, I wanted to get in before a storm was coming in and i drove around that loop uh, i think they call it 135 and got over around what's called hornsby bend where it used to be hornsby bend it was nothing but grassland and this and that and i look out and it was kind of foggy and i see all these lights and stuff and i see 18 wheelers backing and pulling and and cars, and I, I thought, man, I, I must be by the airport. And I suddenly realized, and I'd been before by it before in the daylight, but it was the Tesla plant. Oh. I, looked at, I looked at my speedometer. It was a little over two miles. That building is two miles one way, and it's about half that size the other way, you know, the rectangle of it. 
I, I researched it afterward. I was so impressed with it or disimpressed with it, whichever way you want to look at it. And it's 22 acres under roof. It would take 75, you could put 75 football fields inside it. I looked it up. It was my story written in Texas Monthly <clears throat> Magazine. And that's where I found the information on it. And as a creek runs through it. I mean, it, it, you know. There's a creek that runs through the building? Huh? There's a creek that runs through the building? Yes, sir. And they, they that according to this article, listen, I haven't seen that. I just, I've seen it from the road. But when you come up on this thing, you'd think it's an airport there. I mean, it's parking. It's got enough parking for DF, DFW doesn't have as much parking as that guy's got there. <laughs> DFW airport I'm talking about. Right, right, right. Beautiful, beautiful airport, by the way. That's one of my favorite airports to wander through. It, it has beautiful people and 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 all of that. John Wayne in, in L.A. is the other one that I that I really yeah. Like. Well, I won't be going through anymore. I decided I'm not flying. Going no, you don't have to. Now, how big is the RV that you have now? I have. It's just 24 foot, so it's 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 uh it's about half of the size that I had, and it doesn't have the slide out, so it's more of a it it's a it, look. It's like well, it, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what it's like. Is uh, if you've ever seen one of the well, it's a Sprinter, a Mercedes Sprinter van, 24 foot. And uh, you've seen them. A lot of them are made for cargo. This one's made for for a motor home. It has everything I need in it, including solar. And uh, it, it's I don't have to carry a Jeep behind me because it's small enough that I can park it just about anywhere. You can park a, a park a, a van. It's not any wider. You know, I don't have slide outs to worry about or anything like that. So I can drive it just about anywhere, not have to worry about renting a car or pull it, uh, towing a jeep. That's why you downsize. I what? That's why you downsize. Yeah, exactly. It got too. You know, it's I, I just couldn't go everywhere. And the bad thing about when you get one that's forty, you, you can't even get into the national parks. You know, they they pretty well limit you to about twenty four foot, and that's what I have is twenty four foot. You can't get any longer than twenty-four foot towing, and that's a good—that's a good reason because you get a bunch of forty-two footers. <laughs> Some of the national parks now will let you, but most most of the, the older parks won't. Very good. You know, I could sit here and talk to you for hours because of uh, the history that you know and the and the um, living living through such such tremendous. Tre Tremendous change in our times. Um, as an example, when you were a, a, a boy going to elementary school, I'll bet you you didn't even have any computers. No, no, I'll tell you what I had. I had a big chief, big chief uh, notebook, and I had some number two pencils. And, and my dad gave me a pocket knife so I could sharpen my pencil. And you know what? You can't carry a pocket knife to school anymore. No, and you know something else he gave me when I was 12 years old? He says, you need to always have a bandana in your pocket. You know, a red bandana. 
And I, that's kind of my trademark. If I stood up, I could show you my red bandana, but I, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I've got this thing working here and I don't want it to go out on me again. But, but uh, uh, think about this. I went to school. My dad gave me a, 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 a real nice, I forget the name of it. He told me never to lose it because it, it, I think he paid $5 for it. That's a lot of money back in those days. And uh, the brand name, I can't think of it right now, but I, I carried that for many, many years. And uh, in FFA and stuff, I won't tell you what I did with that knife sometimes, but <laughs> it, it had to do with neutering animals. <laughs> but but I had that knife, I t- carried it to school the day I got out of school. And nobody ever said a word about it. And I carried a red bandana in my, my left hip pocket. Well, about 19, I guess it was about 1995, I was asked to go to a high school and talk to a high school. And I went in there to talk to them a l- little bit about Texas history. And a principal, I had to go into the principal's office and register and all that sort of thing to do. For, they even had security back then. And uh, he looked at me, and we had a pretty big gang problem here in San Antonio at that time. And he says, uh, I'd appreciate it if you tuck that red bandana in your pocket. I said, well, if I tuck it in, I can't pull it out when I need it. I might need to blow my nose or something. And uh, he said, well, you know, that's a signal for the, that's a sign of blood membership. And so we've got some gang members in this and I wouldn't want you to start any trouble over a bandana. And I said, you got to be kidding me. And I mean, I always was told, you know, we, us ag boys, I grew up in kind of a uh, agrarian uh, uh, society. Uh, we had cows and that sort of thing and cattle and horses. And, and uh, there was the ag boys and <laughs> you know how that we FFA and, and, uh, I couldn't believe that I, he, I I couldn't wear a bandana, you know, and carry a pocket knife into a public school. But today it's changed, you know, uh, I, I, I just, how things have changed. You never heard about any, and I got to tell you that during deer season, when I'd go into the school parking lot, I had my 30-30 hanging in the rear view mirror in the, in the back of my pickup cat, loaded. And nobody ever thought a thing about it, and we never had any problem. And come to think about it, you know, as I was driving around that pickup truck, that loaded 3030 in the back, uh, hanging out where the world see it, nobody ever bothered me. <laughs> I would bother you. you. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd pretty much leave you pretty much all by okay. yourself. <laughs> yeah. But it, yes, it's changed. I'll tell you, it, 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 kids can't, you know, things that they can't do, you know. Uh, every, nearly every father gave their son, it was kind of a rite of passion, a, 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 a knife. to. But I got a knife in the first grade so that I could sharpen my pencil. And my dad didn't realize that they, <laughs> he was really old school. <laughs> and he, he didn't know about those things that you crank. <laughs> Pencil sharp. <laughs> well, that's because that's what he used. 
Yeah. That's what he, he used when he was going to school. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, so now you're not, the the book that you have coming out. That's what's the name of that book again? It's the sheriff, the sheriff of Star County. It'll and be coming out. It, 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 we'll have it pre-sale. It'll be available pre-sale on Amazon in a few weeks. Now, the Comanche book. How long has that been out now? Comanche Trace came out uh, uh, right two nineteen. Just I mean, we had the intro set for this book, Comanche Trace. We had the intro set for this book the week that President Trump came on and says we need to shut her down for two, what was supposed to be two weeks. I had bookstores and things lined up. And, of course, I'm not the only author that suffered from this. But the book won, won the uh, uh, North Texas Book Award for the Best Fiction Book. And I'm real proud of that book. And I'm kind of trying to reintroduce that along with the Sheriff of Star County because they're both about Will Smith, this Texas Ranger, who uh, helped uh, bring his bring his nephew back to Austin. I just love the um, the Western sagas of like the Texas Rangers and and the Cowboys and the guys that uh, that uh, had so much. Uh, you know, there's so much you don't see. When you're when you're talking about uh, guys going all over the you know there's no there's no bathrooms there's no the water's hard to find uh, they have to know where the it's a real art form to be able to get around so that you can get the water that you need and and place places that are safe to sleep and that kind of thing. Well, yeah, and you know it's it's it was a different world then, and they they had to be tough to survive. And uh, a lot of them didn't survive. I was going to ask you, do you know what the average lifespan was back then? I've heard that it was around 50. You know, when that person got up to 60, that was really old back in in those days. And, of course, my my great, four great-grandfather that was killed by the Indians in Austin uh, uh, in August of 1841 uh, he, he was about 60 and that was pretty old, you know, for that, for the time. And his son that was killed also, but in separate incidents, uh, seven months earlier, he was, he was, you know, in his thirties. So yeah, that, a 50 or 60 year old man that, you know, there's so many things to get them. You know, they, there was rattlesnakes, rattlesnakes were a big thing. Uh, I've got a, uh, family cemetery up, up on Lake Travis, uh, and I go up there every once in a while, check on it, make sure everything's okay, and uh, there's only about 10 graves in that family cemetery, uh, but most of them were killed by rattlesnakes. Really? Uh, rock, uh, that rocky land up there around what's now Lake Travis, which didn't exist then, and their grave, their graves are, are right there on all, overlooking Lake Travis. And um, it, it, several of them say they're killed by a rattlesnake. You know, that's what they had on the, engraved on the stone. And uh, so, yeah, rattlesnake, my dad was a uh, rattlesnake bit. Uh, uh, he was bit by a copperhead when he was a young boy. And they didn't even take him into the doctor. And uh, when, when he got rattlesnake bit years later, uh, they did take him into to the doctor, and uh, 
you know, it, it was eight hours before they, you know, lived way out in the country. And to get them into town, that was a, a weekend. And um, finding medical, you know, we ended up going to the hospital. But eight hours had passed from the time, and the doctors couldn't believe that he, you know, he lived through it. As I remember, I was just a little tot, but I remember his arm looked like a leg. It had just swollen up so bad and turned turned blue. But he survived two two snake bites. So yeah. Uh, was he able to keep his arm? Uh, yeah, he kept his arm, and he lived to be 91 years old. Oh, good and for he, him. He, he raised cattle and took care of them right up to the end. I mean, I pretty well had to take over with the cattle uh, about 10 years before he passed. But uh, And I, I'm not handling those cows anymore. <laughs> I got out of the cattle business when I started writing books. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's it's interesting that i really think that in the pioneer days and in the 1800s and stuff if you were not fit if you if you could not handle a lot of stress on your body and and the things that you had to deal with um and you died young and you didn't have children or whatever only the fit survived and so that's that's how we became even more hardy isn't isn't that kind of true I, I, I'm a big believer in that, in that. and, uh, you know, today uh, we have such sedate lifestyles, um, you know, sitting around playing with the phone, you know, your phone now is your play toy, uh, uh, you know, the computer, uh, all of media and stuff that takes you away uh, from physical movement, that's really destroying our, our country, well, our world. People don't stop to think about it. So many are, are not getting enough exercise. And I, I, I know so many people that, uh, you know, their, their health has to do with their lifestyle. You know, they're not getting the exercise, they're, you know, behind the computer and that sort of thing. And, and uh, you know, we had no choice. I had a military man tell me this, and I know he's right. Uh, he says, we had to start taking, we we had to start taking women into the service, you know, make it where they could fight. I, I mean, we've been taking women into the service, you know, for many years, but just only a, a, a few years ago did they start allowing women into combat. And uh, this retired colonel told me, he says, you know, Dave, the reason they had to do that they can't, you know, they can't get enough qualified men. And, and you know, it kind of makes sense. But I, you know, if we had to raise an army right now, we'd be in a hell of a shape if we, if we got into one heck big war. But fortunately, uh, we're not in that yet. But that, uh, that's something to think about because getting fit is, you know, if, when, you join the, when you join the service like I did, they sent, they sent me out to basic training in those days. It was in San Diego. And I'm going to tell you, you <laughs> they got you in shape real quick. <laughs> yes, they, yes, they did. And, and that, that's the other problem that the, the military has. My son is in the Air Force, and he's telling me that uh, they have trouble getting recruits that can, that can pass a physical. Exactly. Uh, of the weight and weight height ratio and and be able to physically move like they used like we used to 
Well, and, and police and fire departments are having the same problem. You know, they've got to have somebody that can, you know, can move, move yep. and carry their buddies and that sort of thing. And so, excuse me, wave my hat here. <laughs> I'll turn the lights on. <laughs> that's a, that is the coolest thing. That is so cool. So, but David, it's it's been a pleasure talking to you, sir. It's a pleasure we, talking to you. We get to I, we get to talk more in a couple of weeks, so I'm really looking forward to that. Okay, I look forward to that, Kevin. Thanks, thanks for letting me on your show. And if somebody wants to buy your book, they can go to the westwardsaga.com, right? Yes, westwardsagas.com with an S on the end of with saga. an S on yeah, plural. Or David A. Bowles, author. Yes, indeed. And if you want to talk to him, uh, you you can email him from there and tell him how you like his books and uh, and uh, talk about you know talk about anything. You're you're a very well read, very versatile man. Thank you. Thank you, Kevin. It, it's 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 been awesome, and I want to thank everybody for tuning in. And if David, if you wait right there, I'll be right back. Okay. Hey, thanks for enjoying this episode all the way to the end. Please give us a like and subscribe to this channel. This has been a production of PositiveTalkRadio.net. Please visit our website, oddly named PositiveTalkRadio.net, for more details about us and our mission, which is to provide great positive programming designed to inspire us all. I'm Kevin McDonald, and I'm proud of these shows, and I truly hope that you'll like them and share them with friends and family. So on behalf of our entire team, remember... Be kind to one another because each other's all we got.